Dennis, the manis, he's a bundle of dynamite. Oh, the things he says and the things he does will make you shake with fright. Beware of Dennis, the manis. July 30th, 1938, was a day something special happened. Something funny, something anarchic, and something very British. Because July 30th, 1938, was the day the very first Beano was published. And the very first Beano did well. More than 440,000 copies were sold, and a legacy that celebrates its 75th anniversary in 2013 was begun. Dennis and Nasher, Minnie the Minx, Lord Snooty, the Bass Street Kids, Billy Whiz, a world of gentle menacing and Roger dodging, with kids always finding just enough money for a slap-up meal or stealing pies that mothers have left cooling on windowsills or watching dogs bounding out of butcher shops with a trail of sausages bouncing on the ground behind them. I'm a lifelong fan, a member of the Dennis the Menace fan club, though I probably shouldn't have told you that. I wanted to be like Dennis. I wanted a pea shooter. I wanted to knock a Bobby's helmet off. but I would never have dared. It was enough that Dennis could do it. And that's the kind of thing these comics have offered generations of kids since day one. Today there are glossy editions, a monthly spin-off, and a highly successful Dennis and Nasher TV series. But in 1938, comics for young people were a relatively new phenomenon, as Professor James Chapman, a cultural historian at the University of Leicester, explains. Well, the history of comic papers in Britain really goes back to the late 19th century, the end of the Victorian period, when the first comics were really intended for an adult readership. Um, Ali Sloper's Half Holiday, which is often cited as the first British uh, comic, uh, assumed uh, it had a sort of satirical tone and so on. It assumed an adult readership. But as the market for comics uh, took off in the 1890s, the publishers found that more and more children were reading them, so that by the early 20th century, comic papers are being produced um, with a, a juvenile readership in mind. Dandy and Beano, which um, emerge in 1937 and 1938 respectively, are, if you like, the new kids on the block of the juvenile comics in the uh, 1930s. It's Lord Snoozy and his pals. Many happy returns of the day, your lordship. Good morning, aunt. Good morning, Marmaduke. Look at all the nice birthday gifts your friends have sent you. Now go upstairs and wash. You must be very nice to the little boys when they come. I'll change into my disguise and go to meet my real pals in Ash Canale. And here he's climbing over the wall, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and he looks like he, he, he's got a cheeky look on his face. Yeah, he does look a bit cheeky, doesn't he? Gee, I'm going to spend a real happy birthday with my pals. The Beano offered wartime kids and adults some very important things. Laughter, comfort and escapism. And all led by the likes of editor George Mooney, artists like Toby Baines and Hugh McNeil and the now legendary Dudley Watkins. Wartime rationing stretched to comics too, with the Beano and the Dandy only able to be published on alternate weeks. But both comics were doing their bit for the wartime effort in terms of propaganda. Pansy Potter managed to capture a German U-boat. Lord Snooty got the better of a frustrated Adolf Hitler. And the Nazis were successfully rebranded the Nasties. 
I, I would say that the heyday of British comics comes after the Second World War, the 1950s and 60s in particular. First of all, we see an expansion in the comics market. The old story papers start to disappear or transformed into picture strip papers. So Hotspur, for example, becomes a picture comic rather than a story paper. There's a larger market in the 1950s due to the post-war baby boom. There are more children around who are the readers of comics. I mean, it's estimated that well over 90% of British children read comics during the post-war period. And crucially, it's also appeared when children are consumers. The Beano, in a way, was like me finding my identity in that you were known by which comic you got every week. Six-time Academy Award-nominated animator, director and writer Nick Park. I think it was all very familiar, you know, street corners. It was all sort of filmed, if you like, on a child eye view, child perspective on, you know, those fences and all you could see, you know, you could see a policeman's hat behind the fence that you try to knock off with a stone, banana skins. It was stuff kids were interested on their, their own level. And although inexplicably I'm yet to be nominated for six Oscars, I do think the Beano helped me in my own small way as a comic writer. It taught me how stories work, how jokes work. It taught me about character, about beginnings, middles and ends. It taught me the joy of the hidden joke and the fun in finding them. And I don't think I'm alone. As animators at Aardman, we often would talk about the Beano and and the comics that we grew up on. I think it's a way of tapping into the things that kind of make you want to make films, really, is trying to find our own inheritance. And the Beano is so much a part of our inheritance, both as a culture, but also as artists and filmmakers. For me, I I guess, you know, Wallace and Gromit is this similar kind of very familiar setting from a, a kind of bygone or timeless age. Like the Beano, there's a, there's a kind of a, a humour and a, a kind of edge to it as well at the same time. Dennis, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> yes, you know I hate bees. Oh, sorry, Dad. It was just a bit of fun. The sort of fun we can do without Dennis. Oh, I'd blame that new joke shop. Yes, stay away from it. Do something sensible for a change. I mean, reading the Beano, I think, did very much inform my career decision. Having been an avid Beano reader, I, I, and also I discovered early on that great love of art and particularly drawing cartoons. I spent a lot of my childhood trying to emulate the Beano and copy the pages, and I dreamt of being a Beano artist. That's what I wanted to be. The Beano has always kept this kind of core of defiance. The heart of the Beano has always been um, naughty children. Cartoonist Laura Howell. My regular Beano strip at the moment is called Mebo and Zuki. Uh, that's been running for about, I think, 18 months now. And that's about a cat and a dog that um, beat each other up. So good old-fashioned comedy violence. That's uh, a lot of fun to draw. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I love being a lumberjack. What's that noise? A chainsaw? Don't be silly. (gasps) He's throwing a bee's nest at him. (gasps) It wasn't a chainsaw. It was mutant piranha bees. These are chainsaws. (laughs) I never learnt to juggle chainsaws. Splat! I also draw Minnie the Minx on a semi-regular basis. 
I'm the main backup artist, I suppose. And I'm also doing some mini strips at the moment with Les Pretend and uh, Little Plum. But basically, for any Beano artist, you will have at least one regular character, but the chances are you'll be asked to draw other characters as and when it becomes necessary. I always felt close to the Beano, growing up as I did in the late 70s and early 80s in Dundee, where the Beano and Dandy are produced. I knew that somewhere in that city, and somehow, these characters came to life. And it seemed magical somehow that these friends of mine could exist on the page and that with every week came a new set of adventures. The Beano page basically starts with the scriptwriters up in Dundee. They have uh, a team of dedicated uh, writers that will come up with a, a script per story per week and they email that out to the artist with a deadline for when they need the final artwork. The creation process is very much a, a kind of constantly moving conveyor belt, which is, you know, because it's a weekly comic, it has to have this constant influx of pages because it has the constant output of the comic. So I'm here in Dundee, misty, misty Dundee today. Um, I grew up in Dundee, I was born in Dundee, and right now I'm outside the offices of DC Thompson, home of so many famous titles, The Dandy, The Beano, of course, which is a couple of miles down the road here was my house. Well, and I know exactly which room I used to read The Beano in. I used to sit opposite the River Tay and read about Dennis the Menace. And Dennis is kind of why I'm here. Because a couple of weeks ago, I sent the guys at the Beano an idea I had for a story for Dennis the Menace and Nasha. And I'm about to go in and see what they thought about it. So I'm a little bit nervous. Danny, thanks so much for sending in your script. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me send it in. Yeah, it's a thrill, we'll see. You're all looking at me, I'm sitting around this little table with essentially Beano experts, and I'm slightly intimidated, more than I thought I would be. Well, let's put your mind at ease. First of all, we thought there were some really good, funny ideas in the script, didn't we, guys? Didn't we, guys? Yes, <laughs> That's not the best no, response. I, I was sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we set it up, we set it up. The thing is, we, we've got a thing that we, we nominally call the, the Beano Festo, and it's got all the rules and regulations you have to use when, when you're writing a Beano script. And, and so we're going to try and just go through yours and apply some of them and, you know, maybe just tweak it a little bit just so that it fits in with the, the, the rest of the comic, and especially with the characters, Dennis and Nasha. Mm. So, Danny's story, guys, it starts off, I like this, he's, he's watching gnomes under the hammer, so that's a classic Beano kind of wordplay joke, which is really good. Dennis remembers that, he, that he's got some birthday money to spend. So far, so good, but he dreams of a burger and chips. In my day, he would have imagined a slap-up meal of uh, a towering pile of mash and sausages, and so I tried to update it That's great. Uh, for the 21st century. Well, Nashup does have an obsession with sausages. His favourite thing in the world is Dennis, but his second favourite thing in the world is sausages and as many of them as you can throw at him, please. Does he still run out of butcher shops with a trail of uh, sausages clattering on the ground behind him? Yes. Brilliant. And the Beano's in safe hands as well, as I would say. (laughs) One of the coolest things about your script, I think, was your idea to join two of our favourite bunches of characters together. Go tell us a wee bit more about that, Danny. Well, these binoculars that uh, Nasha, um, that he's gotten hold of, are so powerful... Um, that when Dennis tries them, he's able to see all the way to Bash Street. And then in the corresponding panel, you'd somehow be able to see Dennis and Nasha 
looking in the background of a bash street. Well, that's just fab because you know Dave Sutherland, who draws bash street, he also used to draw Dennis, so he can take on those aspects. The, almost the conclusion to the story is that it turns out that Nasher has actually stolen the tenor from Dennis and used it to buy the binoculars. Now that's tidy and it's good, but the thing is, Dennis and Nasher are the best pals imaginable. And, and I just said, God, that Nasha wouldn't steal from Dennis. So I think this is the, the key thing we need to resolve. And I know the, the guys had some ideas as to how we could perhaps do this. Right. I think the key thing here is that yeah, Nasha would never steal Dennis's tenor. But if Dad then turns up and says, Nasha, those are my binoculars. Where did you get them? <laughs> that will work. That's all very neat. And in classics, sort of screenwriting as well, there is The Long Dark Night of the Soul as well, where Dennis is at his lowest, thinking that his, you know, the world has turned on him and up is down, left is right, Nash has nicked something off him, but it, it all comes good. You're just taking that too far down. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, uh, what, what do you think, Ian? Are you cool? I think it works. So, the next stage is we are going to send a script to Nigel Parkinson, the artist who draws Dennis, but we're also going to use the legendary Dave Sutherland to not only include Dennis and Nasha in the Bash Street Kids strip, but also to you know advise upon the Bash Street Kids in the Dennis and Nasha strip. Now, right. this isn't something we've done before, so it's a bit of a, a technological uh, stretch. It's well, like a Pino All Stars. It's like yeah, a kind of, if, if yeah, Mr. Sutherland's involved. It's great. Well, the, the binoculars gag's great, and we, we, we love that. No, that'll be a that'll be your own little piece of you know, history. Great. Better than great. Nigel Parkinson is a fantastic artist, and Dave Sutherland is the man who drew the Dennis the Menace of my youth. Dave's also the man who took Dennis to the front page, who helped define the Beano, who gave the Abyssinian wire-haired tripe-hound Nasher a face, and who's been drawing the Bash Street Kids since 1962. The Bash Street Kids! School's been ultra boring this week. You're not wrong. We'll need a plan to get out of it, and I've come up with a cracker. Let's hear it. Teacher, teacher, there's a rat in the corridor. We'll need to evacuate the school. Don't be silly. We'll catch them on these traps. Baited with sweets. I'll just lay them down here. No, the teacher's laying out some mouse traps. Why is it so big? Is it dressed up? Oh, Oh, the kids are dressed up. What are they trying the to The kids achieve? have dressed up as mouses. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, you've got all your uh, your equipment here. I say equipment, pens and pencils. You talk me through what's in your... It's kind of a lovely old sort of leather pouch that you keep your stuff in. Well, they, I use, uh, this pen and pencil, which is a start off and if I'm doing anything, you know, um, let, let's just say it's plugged. And I usually lay it out, my pencil first, and that... You know, it gives me a rough idea of where I'm going to work before I commit myself to the ink. Because once you've done the ink, you know, that's it. You've gone a stage too far. So what I do is I, I do it all out in pencil, and um, that gives me an idea of where I'm going. Then I get my ink pen, yeah. and I line that up, a much tighter um, line of that. And already he's developing, there's his unfortunate nose and uh, two large eyes being inked in already, the mm. teeth going in there. Poor plug, the more, just, just watching yeah. him come to life as well. He's uh, the handsome one <laughs> of the Bastille <laughs> kids. <laughs>
And it's just great that, that I mean that, that's so iconic and so close to sort of I instantly remember so much from growing up just by looking at this 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 picture that just moments ago wasn't there. When I arrived this morning, uh, and I was at reception here at DC Thompson, you arrived just moments later, and uh, it was exciting because I saw I knew who you were, and, and in your hand you had a rolled up piece of paper, and I was thinking they can't be. Is that, have you bring it, were you bringing in art this morning? Yes, uh -huh, that was. Uh... The Bay Street Kids. It seems almost impossibly traditional <laughs> for someone to arrive somewhere like this with it rolled up, so hand drawn. But that's also that's what I want. I want to, you know, in my head to have you arriving here this morning with artwork rolled up. That's kind of my idea of the Beano as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. When you look at it that way, it's happened so often that uh, it just come on an old heart now. But uh, and then what I do is I look forward to um, who I'm drawn the script for, and, and it was John today, he had written the script, and I look forward to his comments, and if he likes it, hopefully he likes it, and I'm always worried that they won't like it. Even now? Even now? Yeah, I haven't interpreted the story. This, the story has, although you've got words in it, the story still has to visually run smooth. You're yeah. directing a film in your head. Yeah, that's yeah. right, you're directing it, and you've got to get your eye to flow from left to right, and so you try and do that in your illustration and you hope that when you show it to the writer or the editor and I hope I interpret it for him and so once they say oh that's fine Dave that's me my day's made I can go <laughs> home <laughs> I can go home because it means a lot you know that um, that uh, plays them and over the years I'm not saying it went perfect all the time you know what I remember putting five legs on Nasher <laughs> So that was a bit of a problem, so I had to reach for the jar of white and eliminate one of the legs. <laughs> what happened that day? Well, I was trying to get a scratching position for Nasher, you know, he had fleas in this particular story. And I'd set out that the legs were whirring. And for some unknown reason, they said, oh, but he's got five legs. I said, but he's scratching. <laughs> no. I couldn't win the battle. No, <laughs> paint that leg out, you know. We can't have a five-legged match. <laughs> 98, 99, 100. See, Curly, I told you Nasha had a hundred fleas. You owe me an ice cream. Morris Heggie has a rich history in comics. He used to edit The Dandy, which has recently disappeared from our shelves and made its way onto the internet. He writes All Willy and the Bruins, and he's also DC Thompson's archivist. He's determined to save these millions of jokes, moments and stories forever. I find him deep underground, in the basement, where they keep him. Well, this is my collection of um, publications from the year dot. Dandies, Beanos, Magics, Skippers, Wizard, even Bunties. Bunties all, as well. all here. Wow. It's just, it's a, an enormous room of annual after annual after annual. I remember a lot of these. I think I had a lot of these Beano annuals. I think uh, there's a lot of love, not just for the Beano, but in the Beano. But you know, do you know what I mean? The, the artists love drawing it, the writers love mm. writing it. And just looking at all these books and all these annuals in front of us, so much love has gone into them. Uh, yeah, and, and, and there is a thing that we're aware of. It's like there is a comfort, feel good thing about the Beano. Even though it's, you laugh out loud, but there's a nice feeling. There's a charm to it that I've always loved. And the years when I was um, editing the Dandy, the Dandy missed out on that somehow. 
Really? Mm-hmm. I had worked on both, so I was aware of those things and I'd look at those things. And this is by no means a big criticism, but the dandy was, to a degree, charmless compared to the Beano. Uh, for me, uh, like growing up, um, I think you were either a Beano kid or a dandy kid, and it almost depended on on your parents and which, which comic they brought back for you first, uh, and yeah, then you were in that club. I would think that was true. What was it like in, t- in terms of, you know, because you edited the dandy, as you say, and, and in terms of offices or at least I mean what was the structure where was the Beano in relation to the Dandy well, we were obviously we're not in, in this building as you we were in this um, lovely old building in the centre of Dundee and it was a it was a warren of little offices and on the second floor the Dandy office was this quite a small schoolroom and across the corridor was the Beano little schoolroom mm-hmm. and the rivalry was enormous I mean the the years I was the editor, the Beano editor was a man called Ewan Kerr, who started at work with Thompson the same day as I did. The same we, day? Same day. We wow. Were, we, were, we were good friends, and uh, if I could pinch an artist from him or steal an idea from him, I would uh, we'd go to enormous lengths to do this sort of thing to each other. <laughs> Just to annoy but, each other? Oh, yes, yeah. Really? Yeah. And outside of the paper... We had crazy competitions. We had sports competitions, we had quizzes, and on the mantelpiece, because this was old, old offices, and there was an actual old fireplace and a mantelpiece on here, and on the mantelpiece was this probably quite valuable thing. It was a, a Winston Churchill Toby jug. That was the prize. Yeah. <laughs> who, uh, who, who had it most? Oh, I would have to say the dandy. <laughs> well, you would have to say that. <laughs> and why do you think? I mean, how has the Beano lasted this long? 75 years. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it is really a bit too... From the time I was reading it, you were reading it, it's quality. There is a quality to the Beano. The production, the style of drawing, the care to the humour, the love that goes into it. The same basics are still there. It's a delightful, feel-good, anarchic publication. Love, fun, comfort. Yeah, that's where it is. Mike Sterling has one of the greatest job titles in the world. He's editor-in-chief of the Beano responsible for weekly sales of just under 40,000 and the fate and futures of a multitude of much-loved characters. But that doesn't mean he necessarily knows the password to the Dennis the Menace fan club. So I started our meeting with a simple trust exercise. We should start by um, making sure we can trust one another. Ding. Dong. Thank you. I don't like like the fact it took you a little moment or two. You were a little slow off the mark. I was a little slow off the mark, perhaps, yeah. You have on your shoulders... This comic, which has been around for 75 years, mm. which is a British institution, an mm. icon, so important to so many people, in such an emotional way, how do you deal with that? What we do is we, we, we do take it very seriously. You know, it's a funny business to be, you know, but we are, I mean, you know, we discussed your script earlier and, and you know, we were kind of cringing afterwards about how pedantic we must have seemed to you, but we, that's kind of how we roll. Now, the, the most important thing is to write for our readers today. And we meet our readers all the time. We, we know what they understand. We, we, we know what they like. There's a kind of lazy shorthand sometimes that the, some people in the media use. And they say, oh, Dennis has been the menace. Now, these are people that have never read it for, for years. And it's a bit frustrating because it's not true. It, <laughs> you know, the Beano is, is, is a pejorative, you know, you, know, you could write for the Beano. And, and, you know, we, we've got the highest kind of standards in terms of what we do. And we, we take so much care over things. We, we, we have to try and get things as, 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 as good as we possibly can every single time. And that's every single week for 75 years. 
I think a secret of the Beano's longevity as well is the fact, as you said, you don't change things too much mm. too quickly. And I was looking at a recent issue and I see that, you know, the menace hasn't gone. Menace is a difficult word because it's not, you know. If but you it's, take it's it literally, cheeky. it's because it rhymed with Dennis, obviously. Yeah, of course, That's of why we, 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 it was actually based on a song, uh, uh, Dennis the Menace from Venice, and it was in a musical. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it really came from that. Just Dennis the Menace from Venice. A king gondolier with gold rings in his ear. He will sing you a song as he pushes along his gondola. And how does the comic work alongside the TV show? Well, it works really smoothly because what we hope is there's 15 million kids in the UK have seen Dennis and Nasher series three, and uh, what we hope happens is it reintroduces them to the comic or introduces them to the comic for the first time because we rely so much upon parents, guardians, and grandparents to, to bring us new readers. You know, we we love the animation because. We think it, it gives us a presence uh, on, on television and, and it, it gives us a, a credibility amongst children who have perhaps never encountered the Beano before. My fellow executives, to save me dad's job, we've got to fight Walter with useless, uh, I mean ruthless efficiency. My business plan comprises the latest marketing strategies, fiscal projections and profit indexes and this leaky pen, hair gel, glasses and fake moustaches. Don't think it's the wrong way. It's all a lot more professional than I thought it would be. <laughs> you know we've, right? we've, we've succeeded in fooling you. <laughs> marketing people, you know, add things, you do all this research into everything. What we do, we, we take things seriously. Have you used a spreadsheet recently? I, 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 Don't I, break my heart. I, I, <laughs> we, do, we do adopt a professional approach, absolutely. But the most important part of the work we do is, is still up here in our heads and our imaginations. Ding. Dong. Quicker that time. We we really should have bleeped the password there. But a couple of weeks later, I received an email. And if you'd told me as a seven-year-old boy back in Dundee that one day I'd open up that email and it would contain my very own illustrated Dennis the Menace story, I'd have said, what's an email? But now, older and wiser and staring at my words being played out by Dennis and Nasher and Dennis's dad and Walter... I'm incredibly proud to be a minuscule part of one paragraph of one chapter of the Beano's long life story. I'll be in Morris's archive, part of a peculiarly British corner of the world that's lasted 75 years and I hope lasts 75 more. And one day, maybe I'll pluck up the courage to buy a pea shooter and finally knock a Bobby's helmet off. Minnie the Minx. The Bash Street Kids. The Three Bears. Lord Snooter. Who, who could forget Lord Snooter? You're going to be absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, Babyface Finlayson. Remember him as well? <laughs> 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 he was never, never <laughs> famous, <laughs> <laughs> He had the motorised pram, didn't he? Yeah. He had the motorised pram, didn't he? Yeah. Back such memories. The Bash Street Kids. <laughs> the teacher has um, motif on his, um, on his, on his duvet is, is uh, canes like teacher's canes, uh, like a teacher would have that on his bed, <laughs> on his bed cover. Now I've forgotten this guy. Look at this. <laughs> I used to read them through and through and through. Old man memories Back here in Beano Land All things are real.